Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Cabbage Corp podcast began. Hey, this is Josh. And this is Christian. And welcome to the Cabbage Corp podcast. The Cabbage Corp podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite podcast. Head to anchor.fm slash cabbagecorppod to find the podcast app of your choice. Also, for our Korean listeners, don't worry, we are also on Podbang. If you like this episode, make sure to like, subscribe, and share. We love to hear from all of you guys, so leave comments and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Cabbage Heads, Happy New Year. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Cabbage Corp Podcast. 새해 복 많이 받으세요 to all of our listeners. Christian. We're back here together discussing one of the great loves in life. How do you feel? <laughs> I'm excited. I definitely am looking forward to book two. Book one really gave us the foundation. And now we're getting into book two that has a lot of the uh, juicy details that I really like getting into. So I'm super excited. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Avatar um, historians and Avatar scholars would say book two might be the best season out of all avatar tv how do you feel about that statement i think i would definitely have to go through it but even these first three episodes i am already in love we're in love yeah we're in love <laughs> we're, we're head over heels there's so much juice you're right to be squeezed out of these episodes and um for those joining us for the first time for those who need a refresher uh, here at Cabbage Corp Communications, we cover three episodes at a time of the Avatar The Last Airbender first. And so um, we did that and had a pretty clean and neat finish to book one, Water. We will be covering the first three episodes of book two. But before we jump into book, the first three episodes, Christian, give us a little recap on where we stand on the Avatar State Totals and where we stand power rankings wise. So the last time, which is basically three episodes ago, the Avatar state total was six times. So he has been in the Avatar, Aang has been in the Avatar state six times. And this is the power ranking score. The trio are all tied for three points. And we were- Three points each. That yeah. means Aang, Sokka, and Katara all have three points. Yes. Zuko has one point, and Uncle Iroh, at the end of book one, had one point. But during our miniseries, we just, we had to give him a point. So Uncle Iroh is at two points now. Gotcha. And, um, you know, our power ranking systems have been widely debated throughout pubs and <laughs> on internet forums. But let me just tell the people here, we're not, this is not no charity case, Okay. Like we're not just all Ang, Katara, and Sokka are tied here with three. If you if you had listened to any of the previous episodes, you had known with great pain and and displeasure did we give Sokka of the Water Tribe three yeah. points to be tied with the Avatar <laughs> and 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 Katara herself. So somehow this is just how Book One netted out, y'all. Okay, don't be angry at us. Don't think that we're doing this out of like some like everybody wins participation trophy. This is gonna get serious, and hopefully Sokka is left behind. But also in this episodes. Sokka's not bad at I all know, he's, in these, so who he's knows? He's just getting better, and it's like, was Sokka really the winner? Like, did I not see it? <laughs> okay, Christian, one, one, one question before we actually jump into the episode. <laughs> at the end of Avatar The Last Airbender, if Sokka 
of the Water Tribe is standing atop our power rankings. Have we failed as a podcast? Have our takes become so hot that they've just completely extinguished and failed into oblivion? Because I do not understand how that's even possible. But here we are in this universe where Sokka could be easily gaining ground here. Yeah, I don't know. That's hard. Me, I don't know. I We try not to be biased, but I think the reason why he had so many points, I would say, is because from the first episode yes. to the last of book one, he just grew so much. You're right. You know what the crazy thing is? After the first episode, the first episode of Cabbage Corp Podcast, Sokka actually went into the negatives for the first time in Cabbage Corp history. He had negative one point, yeah. which means over the course of the last 10 weeks, Sokka has four points <laughs> over, and that's one more than the fucking avatars. I don't know what's going on. Spoiler warning, expletive warning, because we're about to get deep into this stuff and work out our own work out our own issues. But you're right. Maybe it's because we're secretly really proud of Sokka for overcoming some some maybe some misogynistic yeah. views. I don't know. He's maybe we see ourselves in him, oh, God. and we're like, yes. <laughs> both of us can't be Sako. Okay, I already see too many parallels between him and myself, <laughs> including our, our including our incredible luck with the ladies. But who who knows, Christian? What what lies ahead in season two? Adding on, which we will reveal at the end of this episode, we are actually adding another person to our power ranking score. So. Look forward to that. Let's see what happens. Folks, on to the episode. Episode one. We begin with a dream of Aang in the Southern Air Temple where he discovers himself in the Avatar state. The immense power is something he fears. Later, they head to the Earth Kingdom and meet General Fong. Meanwhile, Azula tracks down Zuko and Uncle Iroh and tries to bring them back to the Fire Nation. The episode ends with Aang going into the Avatar state and Zuko and Uncle Iroh cutting off their top knots as a sign of their separation from the Fire Nation. Now we're going to get into some of our favorite quotes of the episode. Aang, I was in the Avatar state, but I was outside of my body watching myself. It was scary. I was scary. Azula, almost isn't good enough. Aang. No, you don't. Every day, more and more people die. I'm already a hundred years late. Defeating the Fire Lord is the only way to stop this war. Oof. Christian, I think either we're genius podcasters or we've truly, these these episodes have given us a gift in Cabbage Court terms because this is just another great episode of They're Just Kids. I think this is one of the great They're Just Kids episodes because we'll meet him in a second, but we meet the Avatar Aang again, driven by guilt. And we thought he had been getting over some of his guilty, guilty past, right? The feelings that he abandoned the world when they needed it most. But we see here the entire Avatar state his avatar state, the great power that it wields, is all driven by this young monk's guilt. So tell us about why the first quote is so important. Yeah, so this quote actually comes as the first episode. And if you remember, the ending episode of book one is when he kind of embodies the moon spirit. And so it's supposed to seem like a huge victory of going into the Avatar state and winning 
this basically battle, but he comes out of it feeling so distraught because it's not in his nature to kill. And whether, you know, it is a kid movie and we didn't see quote unquote deaths, but I mean, they retreated. You can only assume that a lot of Fire Nation people died. So I think this goes back to his guilt and not being able to understand how he's supposed to save the world and not hurt people and just that going against his morals. So I think it really embodies Aang and his struggle, not only in this book, but I think throughout the whole series. No, it's so good. And we'll see Katara try to console him later, right? But then she's the one who had to kind of snap him out of one of the first times he went into the Avatar state, right? In, in, In the show, because when Aang was, she said, I could sense your anger and your pain. And, and from just a pure like loved ones and friends level, she didn't want her friend to go through that again. And knowing that even though it casts great power, you know that up till now, the Avatar state is only triggered by Aang, not out of a confidence or not out of a, a comfort in his ability, but really out of trauma, right? And I think that's what he's dealing with in these dreams as well. Yeah. Um, the next quote, oh my goodness, our, our bold and beautiful Princess Azula has finally arrived in the scene. And it is, um, what hell of an introduction. Almost isn't good enough. This is here with the twin grannies um, who are kind of creepy, but used to be hot, <laughs> as we learn later in book three. But um, yeah, this, talk, to, talk to me about Azula's hair and the one hair that's misplaced. Oh my gosh. I feel like that has a huge symbolism. Also a foreshadowing of oh, the Oh, let's future. go. We're talking literary terms. <laughs> this is a master's course. <laughs> so... This is coming off of Azula basically practicing her firebending in front of these two. They're not, they're not, uh, they're like some elders. I don't know who they are really. Yeah, right? They're just elders. Um, and one of the grandmothers basically say, or one of the ladies, the older ladies say, almost perfect, one hair short. And Azula in this scene looks at her hair that's like, basically in front of her face and she says almost isn't good enough and i know she's not a good character however this just shows her personality so clearly it's one line but it shows who she is that yeah she's a freaking crazy girl but she's not lazy you know like she puts in all the work she can to be perfect so I thought it was an amazing introduction to who she is. You're right. And we, we touch on this. We see it more more and more um, in the later episodes of this um, this arc. But Azula is demonstrating a firebending we have not seen before, a prowess, you know, a confidence in firebending um, that we haven't seen. And um, she's lightning bending very easily. All her fire is blue, first of all. Like, this is an incredible, you know, kind of um, feat. And we've only heard her name in passing through Zuko's angst, but we see the true talent of Azula on display here, but the one hair that's misplaced. And you said foreshadowing, spoiler alert, when um, she cannot stand the sight of her own face and her own hair and, and at the end of book three, like this is such a great little little seed that's planted by the writers here that says like Azula, as perfect as she is, is so neurotic and caught up in her insecurities that it leads to her own downfall. The last quote here, I mean, is the ultimate, um, they're just kids because Aang is trying to deal with, he was gone for 100 years and people died. Many people died and people were enslaved and conquered. And um, 
Aang is trying to make the best of what he has right now, but also at the cost of maybe proper judgment, he's he's uh, he's influenced by his guilt of not being there the first time, and um, that's been that's going to be taken advantage of again and again by adults until Aang sees it for himself. Yeah, and I think. The reason why I really like this episode is because Aang sees that even though all these nations want to do the right thing, Aang really can't trust them other than the trio. Yes. Like as much as he knows that General Fong, sorry, a little backstory. General Fong wanted Aang to go into the Avatar state now so he could just defeat the Fire Nation and the Fire Lord basically. And even with Aang struggling with this, he feels like he has to choose to get into the Avatar state now to end this war. And for the generals, it makes sense. However, as Sokka and Katara get to know Aang, they see like this will end up destroying Aang as a person. Yes. And so they need to go through this together and in a way that will not only save the world, but also protect Aang. So I think that in this episode, you really get to see that Aang to the outside world will be looked at as kind of like an object to save the world. A weapon, yes. Wow, for the people, yeah. So for the people around him, they see him as a human, which is why I think this episode was great to start off with. Oh my goodness. So many good team avatar parallels. A lot of good, um, good parallels with Korra herself as well when we get to it, but the idea of avatars being used as objects and weapons. And the only people I should care are the ones who who value their safety and their well-being as part of saving the world. This is our master's class, baby. We're in it. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Yeah, season two. Hell yeah. Season two. Oh, we've matured. Yeah, we've matured. <laughs> Let's get into some more quotes now. Uncle Iroh, I care about you. And if Ozai wants you back, well, I think it may not be for the reasons you imagine. Azula, do the tides command this ship? If I were to have you thrown overboard, would the tides think twice about smashing you against the rocky shore? Well then, maybe you should worry less about the tides who've already made up their mind about killing you and worry more about me who's still mulling over it. Oh my God, what a, what a king. Pure, just king shit from Azula over here. Prince Zuko, you don't know anything. I think you are exactly what you seem. A lazy, mistrustful old man who's always been jealous of his brother. General Fong, every day the Fire Nation takes lives, you could end it now. Avatar Roku, if you are killed in the Avatar state, the reincarnation cycle will be broken and the avatar will cease to exist. Such good quotes. They did such a good job starting so strong with this episode for book two. They pack in so, so, so much good. information, right? It's like they have they have to advance the plot for sure. And we see even Master Paku at the beginning of the episode, right? Like yeah. say goodbye to Katara and everybody and says, you're going to go to the Earth Kingdom and meet General Fong like has his blessing to meet this general and ally of his. But then you get into the adults are trying to use Aang and Team Avatar to their advantage. In the middle, you have the the family drama between Uncle Iroh, Zuko, and Azula. At the very end, you have Avatar Roku filling you in on some Avatar freaking 
crazy lore and stuff like that, right? Like they're adding rules to this universe and the mythology while advancing this crazy story forward. And that's why this episode is great. And they do it in such a good way that doesn't overwhelm you. I was amazed by the best quote of the episode is Azula. Like this is one of the first things she says to the commanding general. Because the general, the, the general on her ship is essentially like, oh, we have to wait on the boat a little longer, Princess Azula, because the tides are going to destroy this ship if we bring it in right now because of the storm. And Azula, who's what, is she what, 15 at the time? Something like that? Yeah, she's very young. She just uses her authority in a way that um, Zuko in the entirety of book one has never seen, right? There's a brief time when Zuko earns the respect of his men and takes the care of his men. They listen to him wholeheartedly. But Azula rules purely out of with fear. And I think that's the first time for us to see it. But she rules it with such commanding authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so first quote, Uncle Iroh. Oh, man. Uh, it's Uncle Iroh just knows best. Let me just say this here. You know, there was... Uh, a brief period in book one where they <laughs> just had some weird horny Uncle Iroh. But you know what? We're, we're, a man has needs, as I've said before. But as I, as I say here, no one knows family drama of the Fire Nation better than Uncle Iroh does. As someone who has been embarrassed and laughed at, but knows the true value of life and the meaning of what the Fire Nation should really stand for, of course he knows that Ozai and Azula are not on his side and on Zuko's side. And now the most important thing in his life is protecting Zuko at all costs. And of course, Zuko is the one to refuse his advice because of his own pain. You know, we see um, Zuko right after that, like talk about essentially call Uncle Iroh, who loves him, a mistrustful old man who's always been jealous of his brother. Like it's the most hurtful thing you can say. And this is why Zuko is so frustrating and such a good character because He'll say everything to hurt you because he's been hurt so much before. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of this is just him knowing the truth, but just trying to believe that this isn't the truth because it just hurts him even more. Yeah, we'll see it. And um, Zuko, if it in the end of this book, we'll have to rip off the Fire Lord Ozai Band-Aid and realize who his true loved ones are. But... And this time, he tries to hurt Uncle Iroh. And Uncle Iroh, to his credit and to his great grace, cuts him a lot of slack. I feel like this was really nice to see a different side of Uncle Iroh and Zuko because this episode really starts off with they're on their own after coming back from the Northern Water Tribe. So everyone knows Zuko is alive and Uncle Iroh kind of helps him escape. So they didn't directly go against the Fire Nation, but they're kind of still considered fugitives in a way. So we see them having to struggle on their own without yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically people taking care of them. And we see different sides of Uncle Iroh too. No, I think that's very important. It sets up, it sets a table for Iroh and Zuko on the run for the entire season. So um, yeah, a really, really great kind of first establishing shot. So we've discussed a lot of new characters, a lot of quotes here. Christian, what are some parts of the episode that you liked? Interesting facts, things that you remembered. So many, but <laughs> I would say the first thing would be Uncle Iroh and Zuko are going onto the ship and they find out they're going to be like, quote unquote, prisoners. Azula is about to strike lightning and 
Uncle Arrow is a, a, like he can redirect it so easily. He just grabs her and then just redirects it through his body. And that scene is so powerful because I feel like we've seen even Azula, like it's not something crazy easy to her. She can do it. But to redirect it that easily to just quickly grab the person who has lightning, um, I thought that was an amazing scene to show that Azula is amazing. And we know Uncle Iroh is good, but he's that much better than her. No, absolutely. And this is, I mean, we've seen Uncle Iroh play the fool so many different times in book one, right? Like that's the kind of character he puts on. But moments like this, you know, we've seen Uncle Iroh redirect lightning in the storm before. It just like shows just a hint of like how powerful he is. But with Azula here, he grabs Azula, right? To redirect the lightning. Like if you think about this universe, no one touches Azula ever. But Uncle Iroh easily grabs her and forcefully redirects the lightning outside. And that's just to show his skill and his prowess as a firebender and knowing kind of combat situations. So to see Azula's genuine, genuine look of surprise and shock was actually a really cool kind of a, different beat than where we're used to seeing Azula um, very comfortable and confident mm-hmm. around her bending. Yeah, I really like that. I felt like it kind of set the tone for even though Azula is very disrespectful to Uncle Iroh, like there's just a different type of level that Uncle Iroh has over Azula that even she can't ever surpass in a way. Yeah, and we, we have to give Azula credit. I think she rules by fear and... Of course, it's the other general, the Fire Nation general who's on her boat that lets it slip that they're trying to imprison mm-hmm. them, except for instead of bringing them like triumphant heroes. And so Azula knows the power of, even though she might taunt them, she respects and to a point fears the power of her mm-hmm. of her brother and her uncle. So she's trying to bring them quietly, right? But um, I think we'll see Azula's kind of smarts being put into effect and how it's a kid's mm-hmm. show, right? So there's a lot of dummies. There's a lot of dumb goon behavior. Azula is not that. We see her as really cunning right away. Um, but in this case, she did get out-muscled by Uncle Iroh. The next one I want to touch on was anytime Avatar Roku shows up on the scene, we learn some really cool Avatar. Avatar knowledge. And so this one, he when Aang enters the Avatar state um, under duress from General Fong, uh, Avatar Roku essentially swoops in on Fang his dragon and picks Aang up and says, I have something to tell you. And so he's, he tells him that the avatar state is when the connection to all your avatars before is at your most powerful, but it's also when you're most vulnerable. So if you are killed in the avatar state, you end the reincarnation cycle and the avatar will cease to exist throughout history. And um, just freaking, uh, just, just, just uh, Avatar Roku just dropping dimes when 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 the whole world is at stake, and uh, we'll see this really I think come to play later in this season. But also again, as in Korra, when people actively are trying to sever the Avatar's connection with the world, they when when and spoiler alert, of course, but we've talked about Zaheer in the past. Zaheer believes the world is better without an Avatar, and so because the reincarnation exists so powerfully, he's like, how do I strip the Avatar? from ever existing again. And we'll see this lore continue to evolve. The knowledge of this continue to kind of take bigger and more solid shape as we go along. Yeah. And I really liked how they included that here because the beginning of the episode, you see Aang's fear of the Avatar state, but I think Avatar Roku shows him that it is a very powerful state, but it 
is also a very spiritual one too, which he needs to take care of and kind of build a relationship with because his relationship right now is just out of guilt and out of fear. But Avatar Roku is basically saying like, this is your only connection to your past lives. This should give you immense power and immense comfort. And also you should protect it at all costs. So I feel like this was a really good reevaluation of what Aang thought the Avatar state was and what Avatar Roku said it was. So I really liked how they included that here uh, at the beginning of book two. No, that's great. That's great. Um, I want to know, Christian, if we were to count throughout this entire series, how many times do you think Aang goes into the Avatar state because Katara is in trouble. Many. Because <laughs> we see here again, many, the majority of it. But here we see clearly again, I mean, this is why I got to, man, maybe I'm growing to the idea that Katara should have won um, wholeheartedly the both points for uh, the first episode of Cabbage Court. But Katara is in duress. And of course, the woman who cracked him out of the iceberg is the one he's in love with and is going to protect and goes into the Avatar State 4 here again. Nothing can phase him, but when General Fong puts Katara's life on the line, Aang goes berserk yeah. and turns into the the monster of the Avatar State. Bro, not even Sokka. Wasn't Sokka going through the same thing? And he's like... <laughs> I think Sokka... Yeah, Sokka was like... Was beaten to the side many, many, many <laughs> seconds ago. Aang was like, he'll, he'll, he'll he's fine. He's, he'll be okay. But as soon as Qatar goes underground for three seconds, he's like, hell he just goes, no. okay, hell no. <laughs> I feel like Aang only went into the Avatar state because of her and probably Appa. I think that's about it. Like in terms of their group, oh, yeah. I think it's her and Appa. Also, it's like a Venn diagram of Katara yeah. Appa. Also, I posted something on our Instagram, which is so heartfelt. We had a background story on the lion turtles and how there was a theory that on the lion turtles, the, the airbenders were able to just fly like Zaheer. But once they met the sky bison, they couldn't anymore because they became attached to them. Yeah. If you aren't following at Cabbage Corp Pod on Instagram, you're missing out on some good cries, man. I uh, read that. I saw that meme, as they call it. But it's so much more than a meme. I just immediately went to the shower and just had a good cry to myself because I knew that was such a beautiful connection. Appa forever. It's Appa and Katara. Aang could not care less about Sokka's <laughs> well-being. I think that's what we established. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And our last point, the thing, the thing I liked about this episode, the, the very last scene of this episode, Zuko first and then Uncle Iroh cut off their mm. top knots. And it is highly symbolic. It has roots in real East Asian culture, um, but in this context, it symbolizes their rejection of their Fire Nation noble uh, noble history and their lineage, and um, it starts their real exile. And it's and it um, this is kind of what defines them for all of Book Two. Like, what what you th- what you think about this scene in in, in general? Uh, I loved how Zuko did it first. I think that in itself showed that Zuko knew. Like, Zuko knew this is what was going to happen. I think he has a lot of room to grow. And we'll see, like, this is kind of our first glimpse of him rejecting his life in the Fire Nation. And just coming into terms with the fact that mm. 
he is in exile and his dad does not want him. Yeah, no, that's real. That's real. I think um, we, we, we talked about Zuko's hairstyle in book one in the past, just about it represents that he is a banished prince in every single way. The way that it's shaved all the way just till the, the kind of bun ponytail action happens. It's to show that he is kind of trying to show penance for his uh, uh, quote unquote, you know, uh, betrayal of his country and his, and his father. But by him cutting it off, um, he really shows off that like, I am my own man. And I'm not defined by the mistakes, the quote unquote mistakes that uh, my father's holding me to. And um, it's a really important moment of growth for a character who's had so many moments of growth. Good way to end the episode too. Are we uh, ready for a little secret tunnel? Yes, we are. This episode begins with the trio making plans to go to Omashu when they meet the nomads and learn about the secret tunnel and decide to travel to Omashu through there. As the group is separated into the tunnels, Aang and Katara learn about the story of the cave of two lovers, while Sokka and the nomads encounter the Badger Moles, the original Earthbenders. Meanwhile, Zuko and Uncle try to navigate through their new life, which proves to have its own difficulties. The episode ends with the group safely making it to Omashu, but then are shocked when they find that the Fire Nation has taken it over first. Now for some of our favorite quotes from the episode. Uncle Iroh, delectable tea or deadly poison? Zuko, Uncle Iroh. If the Earth Kingdom discovers us, they'll have us killed. But if the Fire Nation discovers us, we'll be turned to Azula. Earth Kingdom it is. Sokka. Something is strange here. There's only one explanation. The tunnels are changing. Perfect, perfect quotes. I loved it. I feel like it. Oh my goodness. I really like the Uncle Iroh and Zuko scenes in this. It made them seem more. It's really sweet. Yeah, it made them seem more human. And like having to go oh, through yeah. everyday struggle, which is something that they never had to worry about. Oh my goodness. This is incredible. Yeah, these are royalty, right? These are people who have never, um, for especially for Zuko, has never had to cook or find a meal for himself his entire life right and now here he is out with his uncle who um at the cost of great mortal peril is trying to find a tea yeah. leaf something to brew you know he's, he's a man who loves his tea and um <laughs> it's just full of so many hijinks and it, it hidden in the midst of all this is the humor of how scared they are of so Azula, funny. right like they're saying like we have a whole earth kingdom who hates us who will recognize, who have recognized us as Earth, as a Fire Nation military in the past. But at any cost, they're like, we have to avoid Azula. So we it's will so go funny. into hiding. It's so funny. Like when you watch it, they just make eye contact when they said, we'll be turned to Azula. They look at each other, they nod, and so Zuko and him just start walking to like wherever, I guess, like an Earth Kingdom village. They're like, earth kingdom it is like they'd rather die than face azula because they're just like we are not dealing with her it's it's you know it's so wild because i mean we talked about this last season christian but i did not know 
Azula, or I didn't put it together be- before until we started watching this again, that Azula was the younger. Mm-hmm. She's, again, 15 when she's doing this, right? And she sparks so much fear within her yeah. grown brother and her old uncle to be like, oh my god, I this is the scariest person in the Fire Nation. This is who we should avoid. It's uh it tells it tells a strong story about about the woman in charge. Yeah. I feel like for them, I think they're scared, but also I just felt like if the Earth Kingdom discover us, like they will kill us. For both of them, I think they're confident enough that they can escape it or they can fight it off. But with Azula, they're like, no, she's hella smart. Like, she's not going to let us get away next another time. And so it was just really fun to see that even through this really difficult time right now for them, trying to find food, they're just like, no, I'd rather risk my life like going to the Earth Kingdom than like getting in touch with Azula. I'd rather risk my life. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's. A tale as old as time. Now, now it's Asaka. Why, why is our boy Asaka tied on the leaderboard? Why is this quote here, Christian? Something is stranger, he says. There's only one explanation. What, yeah, what is this? Yeah, mean? so some backstory. They went into the tunnels and it's just a crazy maze in there. And they can't really get, get out from where they were because Azula and the Fire Nation blocked that entrance. They're just like, let them die in there kind of thing. So Sokka's like coming up with a plan like he always does, makes a map, but he realizes they keep on ending up in the same place. So his thing is like the tunnels are probably changing. And what's really surprising is no one's reaction is like, you're stupid Sokka. They're like, oh, okay, I guess they are. Like they just trust him. And I think that just shows that they know this is his, skill set this is his skill set that he's good at and as as, even though we question him when we get to the power ranking this is why like he's just smart like he knows what he like you know what I mean like this I feel like this is why he is tied with Aang Katara because he's smart and he brings a lot to the team yeah yeah I, I cannot argue with there with you there He's smart and he's growing in confidence. He's growing in his own voice. And so, I mean, Christian, you know this in real life, right? Like you could be the wrongest guy in the room, but if you're saying it in a certain tone of voice, in a certain, you know, matter of fact way, then people start to believe you and trust you. Are you saying that's you? Damn, I am. Fuck, am I just Sokka? (laughs) Oh my God. I'm just Sokka out here. All right, that's frustrating. Anyway, let's get into some more quotes from the episode. Hey. What? I'm saying I'd rather kiss you than die. That's a compliment. What is wrong with me? Finally, Chong, the nomad. Nobody react to what I'm about to tell you. I think that kid's the avatar. Oh my god. This is um okay. You know what? We we've discredited it ourselves, Christian, because you're right. Everyone knew it. This is officially the IDHA corner, relationship corner. We're back here. This this um this episode's called The Cave of Two Lovers. This is possibly one of the greatest relationship episodes in Avatar history. And also maybe the funniest episode in Avatar history. Like I 
was just dying this entire time from just laughing, busting at the gun. And the nomads who are along here with their with their instruments and their guitar are a huge reason for their that. Their dancing is so and, fun. Um, I got they're like their dancing is so fun. And it's um we just they just sing secret tunnel, secret tunnel through the mountains, secret, secret tunnel. It's an incredible, it's an incredible bit. And this is the ringleader, this guy Chong, who's the biggest stoned out stoner I've seen on television anytime, you know, but he's here telling jokes. They've been through an entire ordeal. They almost the cave almost collapsed on them, and then he realizes that this is indeed the Avatar and his friends. He says the Avatar is Sokka. I'm pretty sure because he has that red mark on his head because he hit himself, and he was like, "Bro, I think he's the Avatar," and then he hit himself again. I thought he was talking about the kid with the arrows. And then you point to A, and then Sokka was just doing. There, Katara asks Sokka, "Why is your your forehead so red?" And then Sokka just keeps slapping himself. That's really? why. Oh, I thought it was, he said, okay. All right, we, we got to rewatch this. Rewatch this. I'm going to cut that part out because I don't want to look stupid. Hey, you got to do that for me too, okay? Damn. Hey, I always listen. I'm like. Ooh. That's been a couple spots where I said, Christian, cut this out. And then you're just like, yeah, you know what? Not today. Boom. No. Okay. Tell you, I couldn't cut certain parts out because the audio would look really weird. Oh my God. All right, so I see Christian's been doing her own power rankings <laughs> in her head between Christian and Josh here. So for listeners, please let us know who you think is winning the series between Christian and I for ultimate That's points me. here. Right, <laughs> now on to relationship corner time and, and the smooching. There's a lot of smooching going on and there's a lot of blushing going on. I think uh, more so on Katara's end for one of the truly first times. Yeah, talk to me about this. Yeah, I feel like this episode is the first time it kind of solidifies, at least for me. I'm like, okay, Katara's definitely into or interested in Aang. What made you think that, Christian? Was that when she was just blushing as soon as she thought about kissing the Avatar? It's obvious. She's been into him the whole time. Yeah, but this is like the first sign. You know, like actual sign. Like, you know, you're just like, does she? Does she not? I don't know. And then this in the this, truth. it's like, oh, she definitely does. Because the last time yeah. we saw that was in The Fortune Teller when she was like, yeah, he is. And then that was it. We didn't really see anything else. It was always Aang kind of showing his love for Katara. But this episode, we see Katara is offended that he doesn't even want to think of kissing her. But then she's the one who brings it up. <laughs> She does. She is the one who brings it up. As soon as the lights go off, she's like, "How about a we kiss?" <laughs> Which is essentially how this goes about. Um, this is a classic case of sitcom drama miscommunication between the two lovers here. But the end quote is just so righteous. It's so innocent. Talk to us about that. Oh my god, that's it's just so funny. I feel so. Katara is like. No, we couldn't kiss, right? Like very lightly. And I, I firmly believe this is something that happens all the time in real life where one person will just like play it off like, oh no, I would never date him. And the other person's like, yeah, I would never date you. <laughs> Trying to match the level, but yeah. it goes too much that the other person's like, the F man? Like, what the hell? Am I that disgusting to you? Like, right. and it's just so funny to see because... Again, I think it just shows their age and what they're actually hiding for Aang. It's like, 
oh, I have to convince her that I don't like her because she probably doesn't like me. So I will say <laughs> I would kiss her. <laughs> I've been there, brother. Let me tell you that. I've, I've seen that before. <laughs> it's so funny. I think Jesus. it's... Um, I've definitely seen it in real life, but in high school too. And I just be like, oh, bad move, bro. Like, don't do that. No, that's not the right move. I know. I know. If, if Christian, if you and I were, were uh, sideline announcers, we'd just be like, oof. That's not the <laughs> like, right play here. That's not the right play you'd here. You'd be Christian. in the back like, no, no, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> just, just throwing the X's up right here. Um, it's 2021, y'all. If y'all feel have uh, caught feelings for one another, just go about it, man. The Avatar here has to get struck by lightning, defeat the Fire Lord, and reunite all all four nations together before he's finally confident enough to, to tell Katara that, hey, we should be together for real, for real. So um, just go. Do it. Make just go be, be be lovers cave if you just find a cave <laughs> find a cave find a cave um find a cave y'all that's that's my my advice uh the idha relationship corner advice right. for the day find a cave, find a cave y'all it's magical i love it <laughs> christian we thought we were out of the cave but we turned the corner and we're firmly back into it doesn't hurt to be the avatar relationship corner. Somehow we're back here because I had forgotten that this chemistry between our two heroes starts off when Katara is training Aang again. It's 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 a, it's a strange, but like you know, it's a classic like guys guy and girl go to a pool hall together. The girl is pretending like she doesn't know how to shoot pool. But then the guy reaches over, you know, leans over her, kind of does the whole thing together, shows her how it's done. This is going in uh, reverse here, in the inverse here, where this is like a ghost kind of thing, right? Katara essentially is teaching waterbending to Aang and correcting his form a little bit. But here, it's funny because they've been traveling together three feet with one another, three feet of one another for hours on end. But as soon as Katara touches them a little bit, Aang, you know, is the one who starts to get all all He's warm and fuzzy. Yeah. He gets that yeah. the blushes on, you know, and it's a, uh, it really it shows up right away because it contrasts with the bright blue arrow on his freaking forehead. So you know when he's <laughs> blushing for real. Blue red. <laughs> exactly. This is a, again, as I said before, great relationship corner episode, and also very very funny. Yeah, and before they get into the cave, the Chong is like, "You can make it out as if like." As long as you have love, and then Angle looks like a Tara, and he, he's like, "As long as you have love." We good. We can go in the cave. Like he can't wait. He can't so wait to funny. go into the cave, man. Oh man. You know what? My my uh, advice still stands from before this transition. Find the cave. <laughs> Don't get too freaky, but find the cave. All right. Oh wait, we have to talk about badger. What the hell? We have to talk about badger moles, oh, dog. Yeah, they meet the badger. The badger moles. moles just save the day. Yeah. It. Yeah. So sorry, Christian and I left out the fact that they meet the 70, 70 foot badger moles. In the middle of the cave, they're about to eat Sokka until he starts playing the music. And um, these are the gods of earthbending, turns out. Look at that. It's really cool to see them because we end up seeing them in the future later on. And this secret tunnel kind of comes about again when we meet Toph. And I just thought it was interesting and really fun that they put this in there. And how these huge creatures are actually very, very loving and um sweet because as soon as Sokka starts singing they're all happy and you know we know Sokka's not a good singer but they're just like hey we like this yeah and I thought it was just a really nice and yeah Sokka got to meet badger moles and Katara and Aang got their alone time and 
just a good ending for the secret tunnel. It's great. It's great. Shout out the secret tunnel always. Find yes. a secret tunnel. Also, wait, I did want to mention, wasn't this the first episode you saw of Avatar The Last Airbender? It was. It was. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Shout out. Um, thank thank you for the wow, Christian. You know what? You and you and this week's episode for the ho- the host of the podcast. The hostess with the mostest. Um, yeah, this was a little Josh tri- Josh Spice trivia time. This is the first episode I saw of Avatar. And it was with my roommate Danny in college, and um, secret tunnel, secret tunnel. I'll never forget that. And also, we were watching it on some like weird, like DailyMotion.com. You know, all those old school like streaming sites that are really like probably gave all of our computers viruses. That's where we saw it. So thank you, Daily Motion. Thank you for stealing all my social security and credit card <laughs> information back in the day. But we did it. We are here, fam. And uh, ten years later, look at us. Look at us. And with that, let's get into episode three. Episode three. As the trio takes in the new state of Omashu, Aang decides for the team they are going to find King Bumi. As they sneak around, they encounter the resistant movement and help them leave Omashu safely. However, as the citizens are leaving, the Fire Nation governor's son accidentally leaves with them. As Aang attempts to trade King Bumi for the sun, things come to a stop when Azula halts the trade and tries to capture Aang. The episode ends with the trio leaving Omashu looking for a new earth-bending teacher. Now for some of our favorite quotes from the episode. Aang, this isn't about finding a teacher. This is about finding my friend. Tai Lee. I uh, would love to, but the truth is, I'm really happy here. My aura has never been pinker. Azula, well, I wouldn't want you to give up the life you love just to please me. Oh my glob. Ty Lee is introduced. Ty Lee drives the boys crazy. We have Team Azula finally assembling. How do we feel about this, Christian? This is monumental. I'm so happy. I don't know. The more I like rewatch this and rediscuss it, I'm like, am I like a lover of the enemy? Because I freaking love this group so much. Like, I'm just like, they're amazing. I love them. They have such a great dynamic. Yeah. And of course, in the end, it's really sad and it sucks for Azula. But I don't know. I really like this group. They're just kind of like the elite bad guys that have a lot of skill. <laughs> a, a little frightening, to be honest, Christian, but that's kind of just you in general. It's just mostly good, a little frightening in parts, but um, <laughs> this is just how kind of how, how it comes up. I'm right, I'm right there with you in terms of, man, Azula, Tylee, and we about to see my girl May in a second, but they're such interesting, unique characters, all three of them. They all have their unique kind of um, personalities and talents and tricks and all that. And it's such a good foil for Team Avatar in so many different ways, right? You can't just have like nameless, faceless, like kind of boring, like putty people. Yeah. You have to have fully realized characters because that's what this uh, this show kind of owes itself. And I think Azula forming together like the A-Team here, the Avengers, the evil Avengers is um, a really beautiful state of affairs. Yeah, I completely agree The Evil Avengers. The Evil Avengers. Amazing. Hot, but evil. Yes. Um, 
Let's talk about. I mean, we we jumped the gun because we were so excited about Team Azula. Aang is going through some another traumatic experience here. I know. I loved this quote because they're just like, "Hey, we like the trio." kind of wants to leave Omashu. They're just like, let's just not go to Omashu. Um, and Aang's like, no, I want to find King Bumi. And kind of Katara's and Sokka's response is, we're going to have to find a new earthbending teacher. That's, yeah, and that's that, like, it's pretty insensitive, actually. It's like, they're just like, oh, we're, I guess that means we have to find a new earthbending teacher. And Aang's like... Yeah. And I think that's why Sokka and Katara just didn't say anything because as much as Sokka and Katara are his new family, like, they forget he's a freaking hundred years old 112-year-old boy. And King Bumi is probably one of his last friends Yeah, from his lifetime. And he's like, I'm going to find him. And I think this goes to show, like we discussed before, that they will sacrifice the long-term mission to make sure the small villages and the people that they love are safe. And this is just another scene that Aang shows that. No, and I think that's really, it's it's truly a hallmark of the group and the show and the writing. Like, I don't even think it's, it's goes beyond such a, like, Oh, this is a kid's show. So they have to take care of everybody in the small thing. No, like this is like actually how we should treat one another. Yeah. You know, even in the midst of great pain and great stakes, you have to cover your friends and the, the ones you love, no matter how small they are. If for them, it's like, they're going into like a minefield of all these Fire Nation people, but they're willing to risk it to find his friend. And even near the end when they save the village and like they get everybody out, Aang's like, I don't care. Like, I'm still going to go find King Boomy. Yeah. And I think that's the great thing about this gang because it's, um, because again, as a foil to Azula's team, right? Everyone just does what Azula tells them to do. But with the gang, with Team Avatar, they often will bend to each other's preferences. You know, like, all of them have their strong personalities, but it's not always what Aang has to do as the Avatar. It's like Katara wants to stay behind with Haru, right? And like protect his family. That's Katara's arc. Sokka wants to... I don't know, Sokka hasn't done Sokka anything wants to yet in terms of that. Sokka's yeah. like, I'm exactly, the long-term yeah, mission. Katara and Aang are saving villages. <laughs> saving villages. But they all do it together because they realize like, as long as, long as it's important to one person in the team... It's important to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really beautiful yeah. thing that the show teaches of people to kid to people of all ages. And now let's get into some more quotes. Aang. Now is the time to retreat so you can live to fight another day. Earth Kingdom General. Sure, he's cute now, but when he grows up, he's going to join the Fire Nation Army. You won't think he's so cute then. May. Please tell me you're here to kill me. King Boomy. Neutral Jing is the key to earthbending. It involves listening and waiting for the right moment to strike. Let's start with Aang. Okay, so Aang, this is... I love that you put this in here because Aang is maturing. This is this is as much as I've seen strategically from Aang as when he was talking to uh, the two warring tribes um, when they were walking down the canyon together. Like that kind of leadership... Um, was reflective in this statement by Aang as well, because Aang, while you know in deep pain about his friend King Bumi, sees the longer longer form picture here and says, "You can still retreat and fight another day to grow as men." I completely agree with those quotes, and like what you uh, sorry, I completely agree with what you said, but I would say 
if it wasn't for the last episode of him learning that going into the Avatar state right now isn't the best move, do you think he would have said this? I see. So you think that he's speaking out of a place of fear? Fear in this way? No, I think he's speaking out of a place of understanding. Like, he can't go into the Avatar state right now and just try to get kill uh, Fire Lord Ozai right now. He needs to retreat, learn all the bending skills, and to fight another day. I saw that correlation in the last episode, and he's learned that now. And he's implementing that here. And that's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair, too. So I can definitely see your side, but... No, that's fair too. And I think the the cool thing about this and how great it is is that it works on both levels, right? It works on the the immediate level that we just saw in the last episode because uh, Aang is told by not only Avatar Roku but by General Fong about this is not your time, you know, to do this. But also here that like Aang is someone who preserves life at all costs, right? And here sees a kingdom without Omashu, an Omashu without a king and a protector and Fire Nation rules. So he's like. How do I keep, take these people to safety? I need to keep them safe. Mm. Yes. And do you want to elaborate on Earth Kingdom General? Earth Kingdom General 1. Um, it's just, this is kind of an interesting, they're just kids from the opposite angle, right? Uh, we see this again in book three with um, when Z- Zuko takes the, takes the gang to his old beach house. Right, the oh, train, yeah. And, they, and then Katara, I think, finds this baby picture and he's like, look at baby Zuko, look at what I found. And then Zuko in his <laughs> ultimate angsty series where he's like, that's not me. That's my father. And they're just like, you know, oh, something like that. Yeah. It's like, oh fuck. <laughs> and they're really just like, we're, they want to talk about the innocence of children in the midst of war, the innocence of children who are born into essentially evil empires. Right. And what do we try to protect and preserve here? And so we saw the innocence being robbed from Water Tribe children and Katara and Sokka um, and even all the Earth Kingdom kind of children they meet, uh, including Jet, our boy Jet, RIP. But um, we see this from the opposite side of like demonizing the enemy's infants because this is what they'll grow into, the kind of men they'll grow into. And I thought that's super interesting about uh, kind of a state of affairs and and a mind check in the midst of war. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I feel like that whole, oh, because they're kids, because they're cute now. But then I think for these older people, they realize that I believe they believe that it's more of nurture than nature. And it's because these kids are going to grow up in the Fire Nation. They're going to believe what they believe. And I think that's the same with like any, even any country, like in every single country, the... History books look different and like the perspectives of war are different. I just feel like speak on it, Christian. As much as we want to believe we're better, sometimes we're just ignorant to the fact that we live where we live and if we aren't able to see in like a third person perspective, we aren't ever going to leave that mold of how our country shaped our perspective of the world. And I think or the Earth Kingdom general is really like saying that like this kid's going to grow up in the mindset of a fire nation person and there's nothing we can do about that please uh sign up through the registrar for our power and propaganda talk (laughs) 20 
20 AG about the Avatar universe because we get in our PhDs, baby. We're not even just doing the master's class. We on PhD level. That was incredible, Christian. I feel that on a deeply spiritual and rooted level because we're looking at the evils of our home country right now. So shout out America for fucking everything up. Anyways, (laughs) not the kind of podcast we're into. Uh, Okay, next quote. Skirting over that. My girl May. You know, I have many, I have many crushes in this series, even to the point with the girl with the pink aura, Ty Lee. I got a lot, a lot of love for her. There's something very attractive to me about the doom and gloom of our Princess May here, of the royalty May here. Um, one of her first lines when she sees Azula is, please tell me you're here to kill me. What, what an introduction. What an introduction for all of Team Azula here. Yeah, I, I want to ask. Who's your favorite out of all three of them? You know what? It was weird because Azula was never... Azula was just like mean to me. So I never <laughs> okay. like mean people. So Azula was never that. But after kind of talking to you and understanding like more of the Azula fandom around this and re-watching it, Azula's growing in that pack. But also she's like very mentally unstable. I think that's, you know, that's... Uh, she we she got to work on herself before we can have, mm-hmm. you know... We can have a real fictional relationship here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> real fictional relationship. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> if I were to look, if I were to look at a more likely fictional relationship, my girl May is so in love with her boy Zuko that near the end of the series, right when she betrays Azula, quote unquote, May says, "I love Zuko more than I fear you." And oh, I think that's such a gangster so ass ride or die kind of statement. She's a baddie, dog. And she, it's okay if she doesn't like living things or if she's sad all the time. Sometimes, sometimes that person who's sad all the time can really unlock the true happiness in your life. Mm. Shout out. Shout out my girl, May. Mm. Yeah, I actually remember that quote. Like, she's like, no, you miscalculated. I love Zuko more than I feared you. And I was like, oh my God, so good. <laughs> oh my God, what is, what a- Even though. Yeah. Spoiler, right before this event happened, Zuko betrays I know, her. I know. But yeah, and she doesn't know that he's doing that out of like the long game either. It's like she's like completely betrayed. She he locks her in the cell. He locks her in a prison cell. It's it's not a great look. But my girl May still strong. What about you, Christian? Who do you who do you like out of the, the three girls? Uh, it's hard. Who who are you girl crushing on? Um I mean, say what say what say what you really want because you you truly like the 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 dangerous evil type. So, uh, I personally like if I were to be friends with somebody, yeah, I'd be like obviously Tylee. Like I love that girl. I think she is such yeah. a happy person. But I think I but she'd steal all the boys from you, Christian. I'm married. All the boys would just be looking at Tylee. <laughs> I'm married. Is, I don't need to. Right. This is okay. a fictional fictional scenario where we're. Where both of us are not um, embarrassingly okay. lonely and single. Okay, come on, let's let's okay. Let's, let's so, run. But my thing is, if I were to have a boyfriend and I feared that she would take him away, or then I would know like that's not the boyfriend for me. Where I would have to fear that. Yeah. So speak on it, sister. I don't know. Speak on it. It's about mutual trust. That's what. This so maybe Kylie would about. help me with my okay. mutual trust in that way. So, yeah. Um, but I think in terms of personality, oh like, God. I like her the best. I think she has her own story, but she is always willing to be happy and try to look at the better side of things. Like, just be optimistic. Um, I love Azula, too, though. 
I think I could never be friends with her. Yeah. <laughs> I could never. But I think her storyline is just so amazing. So as a character, I'm like, oh, my God. It, it's, it's such a good story. It's one line. of the best. And she is actually – I'm glad that she's in this more than I thought she was because she's such an important part of the series. She's not like an Uncle Iroh who kind of like goes in and out, you know. But she's actively, even as a villain, such a huge part of this um, every single episode that we, that yeah. we see. I actually saw this um, quote online and it said that Ozai's rejection to Zuko created him to be insecure. However, the mother's rejection to Azula created her to be psychotic. And it was just to show that a mother's love has a huge impact on how you grow and the neglect of it has more of an impact than anything. You know what? We look forward to our Fire Nation family drama episode special episode yes after season two or three we'll 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 run it we'll run it for y'all it's gonna be chock full of accompanying you know comics and all that but uh look forward to that let's let's talk about some of the some of our favorite spots of uh episode three we talked at great length about our girl trio team azula azula may and tylee they are thankfully a part of our lives till the end of Last Airbender. Um, so we even power ranked them for you guys. So Christian has Tylee on top. I have May. Azula is going to kill us both for saying this. Yes. We love Moving them more on. than we fear you, Azula. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so scared of Azula. Anyway. Um, She's going to come oh with her God. lightning. Oh my God. I'm going to wake up and just get electrocuted to death. And I'd be like, worth it. <laughs> death by Azula. Um, we, Sokka is just back here again. The Pentapox plan. Mm-hmm. The Pentapox plan. Talk to us about what is this? Yeah, so but I would say that did come from Katara because she has to think on her feet when these Fire Nation people stop the trio and ask him what's on Sokka's neck, and she's like, "It's Pentapox," but um. Essentially, the citizens of Omashu get to leave because they pretend to have pentapox and they're just like, it's a huge outbreak. Everyone needs to leave. And it's kind of like, they're like, it's an epidemic. And I'm like, hmm, very interesting episode that we're watching it right now. Yeah, this, this, this epi hit a little too pandemic. close. Oh, this, man, I don't know. Maybe you want to. Yeah, so that was their, I, I, I thought it was like an ingenious plan. Like they just did so well with getting everyone out of there safely and not avoiding this fight. And it was just a really good episode. Let's talk about Azula's manipulation. Oh my God. Episode um, one was we see the fear that Azula can strike into commanding officers. Episode three, we see Azula through power and fear again, being able to manipulate um, effect, manipulate results to get what she wants. This happens with her great friend, Ty Lee. Yeah, and I think it showed that when she said the quote, well, I wouldn't want you to give up on your life you love just to please me. And she basically manipulated the situation where Ty Lee was smart enough to know she's going to be taunted until Azula gets her way. And I think this, from the beginning, we see that their relationship is not a friendly one. (laughs) You know, like it's not. It's just Azula's on top. They're there. Like they went to the same school. It was a convenient thing. And yeah. There is a power imbalance among friends. And that's never, in, with in this level, it's never a good thing. 
Ty Lee was in a toxic relationship. You're right. Yeah. And I think for May, it's like they just stay quiet. And I think a part of that is because they know how she's raised. She's the princess, you know, like she gets her way. Next point. Ty Lee's chi blocking. Amazing. We see it um, for the very first time, what chi blocking is. And that's when Ty Lee, you know, she's springing off of her toes and her fingers. But um, Katara definitely has the upper hand on May. Uh, essentially freezes May's hand to, to, to stabilize her like that. And then Ty Lee out of nowhere jumps out, hits some pressure points, and then stops Katara from waterbending. This completely cuts off her chakra or chi, and she isn't able to waterbend anymore. And this is the first time in, in the series that even after 20-some-odd episodes that we see a new skill arise that we've never seen before. Yeah, this really, it's something that shocks, I feel like. It definitely shocked me when I first watched it. I was like, oh my god, she can stop bending? Like, that's a huge, that's a new set of skills. And I feel like this is why Azula wanted her on the team like this is her strong suit and she's good so i feel like it just showed ty lee and may's fighting skills so well in this episode um but i loved may and sokka's interaction when may was like oh you can't bend so how are you gonna fight and then sokka comes on up and he's like getting his boomerang and he hits these girls and he's like I'm fine without bending, basically. And I feel like this is like the first huge time we see Sokka use his boomerang. Other than the first couple episodes when he hits um, Zuko. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, the boom, boomerang always comes back, weirdly enough. Uh, Sokka, damn. Sokka's just hanging around here. We love you, Sokka. But, uh, you know, before we move on, I just want to give a shout out to my... The first original OG chi blocker, that's Neji Hyuga of the Hyuga clan of Naruto fame, famed 64 pressure point chakra <laughs> blocker of the, of Naruto Shippuden. We love you, Neji. We're thinking about you. Rest in peace. You and Jet are in ninja heaven somewhere smoking a dubs. So we respect you. Ty Lee's living on, living out your legacy. So rest in peace. Rest in power, Neji. And Uncle Boomy. Oh, whoa, Uncle. and king boomy Boomy. i actually really liked him in this episode um yeah here's a question was this a good plan by king boomy for him to just surrender what do you i think it was kind of unnecessary i think um i i get the element of surprise and holding it on the day of um black sun right when all the firebenders lose their bending and he's able to take the whole city for by himself. But I'm thinking, wouldn't it have been better for the Earth Kingdom to have all their castles and kingdoms intact for the war effort and not have an entire refugee crisis if King Bumi just fought and, you know, kept the Fire Nation at bay? That's kind of what I thought about this. Like, I, for all this to just be about teaching Aang about neutral Jing, I think it was kind of, um, unnecessary i see yeah no i see where you're coming from but i sorry to disagree again but you love king boomy i'm not as big of a fan of king boomy as you are i think that's where it's coming from i would say it just i don't like the fact that he has he blows snot bubbles i mean like you're an old (laughs) man come on show some show some gravitas i would say i like 
how this happened because like I said, it really relates to Aang's whole message and what he learned in before. Like, it's to fight another day. Like, you need to learn that. And I think, yes, maybe in terms of, like, the war situation long term. And, like, I see where you're coming from. But also as an episode and just as a series, I feel like this episode was so crucial. Because even though King Bumi and Omashu was probably doing really well and they could fight... It is a lesson that not only Aang needed to learn, but I think King Bumi already learned and saw the outcome that we could fight, but would we lose more people with fighting or surrendering? Yeah, no, I see it. I see it. It's yeah, it's it's a tough beat for me. I think this is one we're gonna have to disagree on, just because like I'm like, boy, I get it. Like this whole series is about Aang, but all at the same time, like. All the characters are so well written that even if they're meant to teach Aang something, they still make sense in their own orbits, right? So that's my only that's my only pushback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um that's me just being like Boomy's weird. I don't know. But you're right. Think like a mad mad genius, I think, is is at the heart of a lot of this stuff still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I did like once again, King Boomy really taught Aang a lesson. The first time that they met. King Bumi told him the specifics of what he has to do as an avatar. And now this time he's being more he's being more specific to what he needs to do as an earthbender and who he needs to find as an earthbending teacher. And uh yeah, I, I feel like it was a good way to end the episode of King Bumi teaching him to go and leading him into the right direction. Yeah, I think King Bumi, you're right. I think he is strangely a very essential part of just avatar ang's mindset psyche motivations like it drives it all it really does drive it all and um boomy is unfortunately gonna be locked up in a in a coffin in the cage for the rest of this series but uh he's still there in heart with that let's kind of wrap it up do you have anything to say before we kind of get into the power ranking and um i'm just excited to see more of earth including our girl the blind bandit miss Bayfang herself she's coming up okay power ranking actually no sorry before power rankings avatar state is now a total of seven seven times in the first episode of this book he goes into the avatar state because of katara now it's seven And so now let's get into the power rank score. Okay, so we have Aang with three, Zuko with one, Katara with three, Uncle Iroh with two, Sokka with three. And we have added somebody new, Azula. A new challenger. New challenger approaches. Yes. So. The Princess Azula. Who Who won the episode for you? Oh my goodness. Uh... I have two competitors here. Really? They're pretty neck and neck. Um, the first one is my boy, the last airbender, the Avatar Ang. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I think first he gets to kiss Katara. Not gets to kiss. They kiss. It's very that's the, the, it's a very consensual in a cave, beautiful romantic kiss. They kiss. That's a big plus. Second, he learns a lot from Boomy, I think, here. You know, like, I think he's taught again, as you said, Christian, 
to be creative and to think on his feet and to see things and to see things not always how they appear, but really what the long game is. And um, he does this at the cost of preserving his own life, but also the well-being of those around him. So strong Ang episode. I wouldn't say it's like the strongest, strongest of Ang wins, but I think it's 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 it would be kind of another notch in the belt. Okay. Um, I think kissing Katara is pretty big, but that's that's what my argument for Ang. They kissed. Do we see it though? No, I'll leave it. Give us some privacy. It was like their lips were like this, and then it went black, and then the lights came back on. And Christian, how many hours of Korean dramas have you watched where that weird supposed to be? But that's actually the 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 loving embrace between two two lovers. (laughs) Okay, okay. And who is your um? Other person. It's got to be my girl, the scariest girl I know in my life, the princess Azula. Mm. Just, you know what? I don't think this is necessarily like, like she didn't capture the Avatar, of course. She didn't, um, she, but she does retain King Bumi, which seems like a win for her. And she doesn't capture uncles, uh, Uncle Iroh and Zuko. But the entrance alone is on par or maybe stronger than some of the more incredible like first scenes of all these characters, including, including I would say Zuko's when he's you know full angsty going through the icebergs oh, towards sure. the Southern Water Tribe, and I think stronger. I think probably Ang and Katara's first interaction is the strongest because Ang is in a damn iceberg and he starts glowing. But outside of that pure dialogue, I think Azula might be the strongest first oomph of a character we've seen in the avatar universe mm, i see and she and she assembles the squad okay. you know that's a big that's a big win for her what do you what do you think so i actually i couldn't think of somebody like i actually had a really hard time i felt like all the characters if you think of the power rank score didn't have like a crazy big role like i felt like they're all pretty equal the only one i was kind of leaning towards was azula because of such a powerful entrance with so much um, just power, like pure power. And her being yes. able to trick Uncle, not Uncle Iroh, but Zuko to try to get him back. Um, that would be my own thing. But I honestly, I what came into this, I was like, I don't know. And I would probably lean towards whatever you do because I didn't see anybody that was like amazing. I felt like the episodes as a whole were really good, but in terms of character development, I feel like a lot of them were like kind of evening out to how great all of them have gotten to this point. So yeah, it's it's hard. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think this is, Christian, honestly, I think it's because Azula is so strong in this that people, by just proxy of being near her, seem weaker, like have weaker episodes Ooh, because that, of it. Yeah. Because she affects so much of the motion that happens, right? So as as the story is being written, like people have to look foolish and weaker around her because that's just the kind of character Azula is. So you know what? I, th- I, I am leaning towards Azula. I think Azula makes such a strong impact from day one, from minute one. And... It's kind of an unforgettable imprint on uh, this entire series, and I'm willing to credit her for that. All right, then. Azula came in this episode, and she got her point. So Azula won. She got hers, baby. She Let's is go. already tied oh with God, Zuko. 
Don't worry, all the all the Zuko heads, you know Zuko's gonna come very, very close at the end. If you're a big fan of podcasts or want to just show some love and support to the Capricorn podcast, go sign up for Stitcher Premium today at stitcher.com slash premium for only $4.99 a month. With Stitcher Premium, you get access to ad-free episodes, comedy albums, and exclusive episodes from Stitcher. If you just want to check it out and you don't really know if it's for you, don't worry. If you use our promo code WARRIORS at checkout, you get a month free on us. So go check it out. And with that, we are done with episode one of season two of Cabbage Corp Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Cabbage Corp Pod. And next week, we will continue our three arc episode on book two, Earth. See you guys next week. Secret <laughs>